Fellows, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. You can also adjust settings to get a length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, valued at $39, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. What's going on, everybody? Happy opening day. Finally, MLB 2020. Uh, is it really happening, Mike? We've made it. It's been, let's see, four plus months since that Thursday morning when we were recording and we were, I think we had, we had announced as we were recording that time that baseball shut down spring training. It's been four months since that day. That's a long time. Yeah, I can't decide if it's gone slowly or feels like it was yesterday or some of both, but uh Happy that, you know, baseball, we're going to have real baseball games to watch on our television th- uh, Thursday night. And then, you know, a lot more of it Friday and, and in the ensuing days, really nonstop uh, as long as everything goes goes to plan, which it seems like I, we should give credit where credit's due. It seems yep. like M- MLB's plan the last week or two uh, has gone a lot smoother um, as it pertains to testing and, and everything else. So uh, I guess the next obstacle will be the travel component of it. But um you know, I think I've I've been encouraged by how it's gone so far. Yeah, I've been encouraged as well, especially when you consider the tone of our episode about a week and a half ago when the Astros had to shut down more workouts. And we were kind of like, man, this has been a week or so and they've already had to shut down, you know, two or three workouts. This is hard even now. What's it going to be like when they start traveling? But to be fair, baseball's done a really good job of seemingly getting the testing uh, in order. Now we see what happens when the real games begin. But uh, I'm encouraged. Obviously, the situation around the country is not great, to say the least. But And I feel kind of selfish in saying this, but eh, not really. Like, we need, we need sports. I actually do believe that. Um, I think it provides hope. It provides even a distraction for the country. And I'm really looking forward to the next couple days. I mean, the next two months, absolutely. But definitely these next couple days. And it's, it seems like, um, surprisingly, the, the big news and the, and the baseball action really started on Wednesday, um, kind of out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, the Dodgers extended uh, arguably the best, second best player in baseball to a 12-year, $365 million extension. Um, kind of amazing. It just like happened, and that was it. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily expecting this because I was under the impression, Jake, I don't know if you were, that the, the business of baseball was awful back in, back in May. Apparently, it was no longer a profitable business, but I guess the people who own the, uh, the L.A. Dodgers, like the Guggenheims and the other consortiums, feel like baseball will be around for years to come based on them being willing to give Mookie Betts 
$365 million guaranteed for the next 12 years. That was my initial reaction, my biggest takeaway. Hey, baseball will actually be okay, at least according to one ownership group. Yeah, my takeaway, and I actually just filed a story for The Athletic that should be up by the time you hear this podcast, just my kind of uh, short, brief analysis on what this does or doesn't mean for the Astros and George Springer. Um, I think it's more that Betts is the outlier than uh, a sign that everything's going to be great for all the top free agents. I think he was going to be in a tier of his own as a free agent. And, you know, the Dodgers are obviously a big market team that spends like a big market team. Uh, Maybe it's a sign that the big market teams uh, and the the high payroll teams, as the Astros have been the last few years, will still pay and and for the top talent. But, um, you know, I'm not sure it means a ton as it relates to the Astros and George Springer, more so that like Mookie Betts is 28 or going to be 28 in October and in his prime and uh you know, like I said, you could make a strong case that he's the second best player in baseball. I tend to agree with you. Betts, and I was telling you this last night when you and I were talking, Betts almost has like the, the, a, a perfect resume up to this point. Not quite trout level numbers, but he's been an MVP. He's been in the top 10 of MVP voting four different seasons. He's hitting, he was going to hit free agency essentially in his prime in a good se- in a good year to hit it, whereas George Springer is going to be 31 years old, which each year is a, is a big factor, as you and I have discussed previously on the podcast. Yes, I, I tend to agree that Mookie Betts, because of his age and because of his talent, was going to be in a class of his own. At the same time, I would be at least somewhat encouraged if I was any impending free agent just because I would think, okay, well, I mean, dear God, what if Mookie signed for, you know, 200 or 250 when he was expecting to get 400? That would have sent some alarms into into my eyes, essentially. But... The fact that he got such a big contract would make me think like, okay, eventually the owners probably think things will be okay financially in baseball. Yeah, I could see that that side of it too. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, this much is clear, right? Like Springer is now the best outfielder on the market in the free agent class. Yep. And one of the two best players, uh, you know, I think a lot of people seem to have JT Real Muto, the Phillies catcher, slightly ahead of him overall. Uh, I think you could make a case for Springer ahead of him. Uh, obviously, two different positions, so that doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, those are the top two guys now. You know, the next best position player is Marcus Simeon, DJ LeMayhew. Um, it'll be in- interesting to see how those four, plus the top pitchers, Marcus Stroman, Trevor Bauer, fare uh, in the offseason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for, like, the obvious supply and demand factor, it does impact Springer and the Astros, right? There's one fewer team that's going to be looking for an outfielder and one fewer outfielder yep. that that will be ahead of Springer and he and Betts might have, you know, held up Springer's market, you know, if they had both been available at the same time. So I guess that's that's good for Springer as well. If I had to bet my life, I'd bet that Springer is not with the Astros after 2020 just because that's the safe option, right? When and you've mentioned this, Jake, that when someone's going to hit free agency and they haven't signed a deal, the safe option is always they're going to go somewhere else because you've got, you know, 29 other possibility versus the, the place that they are. Having said that, I do think the sign stealing scandal combined with the pandemic and the financial ramifications, um, I do think make it a little bit, little bit more likely that Jim Crane feels like he might extend himself to re-sign George Springer. What that looks like, I don't exactly know. I think 
you know, we've discussed maybe a, a big one or two year deal. I don't think that's probably going to be realistic. Um, but I think based on what's happened these last four months, I would say it's it's increased the possibility that the Astros will re-sign George Springer, but I, but I would not put it as a probability right now. Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. I, I, it's hard to get a read on it. Um, and, and we've talked about this before, but we really haven't seen James Click get to be a baseball GM in the traditional sense of like roster construction yet. Like, yep. I think his only real move is like signing Jared Hughes to a minor league deal and then, you know, releasing Jared Hughes. So there yeah. isn't really much to to uh, draw from there. Um, he's never been a GM before either. So there's no track record to study. Like what's what's his does he have a track record of signing guys over 30 as free agents, that kind of thing. Um, so I don't, it's just really hard to get a read. And also like, what is the interplay between crane and click going to be like, right? Like, uh, that's a big question too. Well, that's what I'm wondering. How much, how much juice does James click have when it comes to this kind of decision? Um, because he hasn't been here much. We'll see, obviously we'll see how the season goes. It's not like James Click can unilaterally make the decision. Hey, we're going to go re-sign George Springer. This isn't like uh, this isn't like some you know medium trade. This will require significant dollars. So he would have to have Crane's blessing and the rest of the owners, right? The rest of the ownership group, I should say. Um, I don't know. Maybe Crane likes Click enough to where if Click really stands on the table for it, then maybe he does have that juice. But I'm not sure. Baseball is back, and you won't want to miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented Astros and MLB season. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. Right now, we have an exclusive offer that you can take advantage of. If you go to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks, that's the name of our podcast without the word the, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription to the site. Again, that's 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks. You're not going to want to miss it. I hope to see you there. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that the GM has juice given like that's supposed to be the job. But yeah, all these biggest big decisions, um, you know, with extensions and big trades like Verlander and Grinke, like those always do reach the ownership level too because of the financial part of it. So I guess it would just be some kind of collaboration, um, but you know we'll also we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. I, I don't, um, you know, at this point now that it's opening day, I wouldn't expect anything before free agency. Um, yeah, but uh, we also didn't really expect that with Mookie Betts. So who the hell knows? <laughs> I, I do, I do wonder, and I know it's it's business, but I I, I still wonder because it, I don't know I don't know how many people really view this if they know this nationally. But it's definitely something that you and I know, and it's known in Houston. George Springer is the heart and soul of the Astros. Um, I would say even probably more so than Jose Altuve and George Springer and Justin Verlander. I think Springer is what really makes this team tick. And I wonder if that is the kind of factor, especially combined with all the terrible publicity this organization has gotten, self-inflicted 99% of it, I wonder if that makes it more likely for them to want to keep him around for the next couple of years. Because when George Springer's gone, the heart and soul of the team is gone. 
Yeah, I agree with that. But I think want to keep him around is relative, right? Like everyone has their price that they're willing to offer um, and everyone has the price they're willing to accept. So like they could make an attempt. Does it mean it was like a real attempt or, or you know, that's always an argument. Like, yes, um, you can make an <laughs> offer and it's not a great offer and then say that after the fact, oh, we tried, you know. So like I think that's remains to be seen. Like to what extent will they will they be players? I think I would have to think they will be significant players given if they don't re-sign Springer, their outfield is is a mess, right? So um, that's another big part of it is they don't really that's have, a good point. have much to fall back on in the outfield. And, you know, um, Betts is off the board. I don't think they would have been players for him anyway. But, you know, after Springer, it's Marcelo Zuna and Jock Peterson and Jackie Bradley Jr. and Michael Brantley um, or the trade market. And who knows who would be available there. Um, but... Yeah, I think that that might have as much to do with it as anything is like the the alternative if they don't re-sign him. Um their team's, you know, not only worse, but like how do you replace the 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 pure like production? Yes, and we we should also mention the, these decisions aren't going to be made in a vacuum and when you think about so it's not going to be made in a vacuum because of the rest of the outfield. Brantley and Reddick are both free agents after, after this season. And after next season you've got, you know, Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers up as well. So I think that the decision ultimately on Springer is also going to be made, obviously, with whatever they choose to do with those other players that I mentioned. Like, could I envision a world in which they decide after this season, no matter how it goes, you know, we're going to make a play at re-signing Springer for the next couple of years, but they're going to, let's say they decide, you know what, we're going to have to deal Carlos Correa to replenish the farm system and avoid the possibility of having to pay Correa as well. I mean, this is all very very early to discuss this. I mean, it's not that early to discuss this, but because it's it's coming up shortly, but these decisions are not made in a vacuum. Right. Yeah, for sure. And also you have to consider like I don't know, if you were in George Springer's shoes and you look at the roster and look at all the guys who just left to free agency are going to leave to free agency in the next 2 years, like you know, what do you want long term? Do you see this as a place where the window could be prolonged and they could continue to, to contend after 2021? Or, um, you know, is it is it time to move on and, and try to find a new team where they have a better chance to contend in those years? I mean, it, I still think the Astros are going to be uh, pretty relevant after 2021, but it's, it's to what extent, um, you know, are they going to be contenders? I agree. Go into being intention. Like they still are going to have a good amount of good players, but will they have enough? I think is something that any any free agent um, considering Houston, um, you know, from now on probably has to look at pretty closely. And 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 also like you know, players. Some players do look at the farm systems that they're you know of each team and say, hey, like what's coming up the pipeline to. Um, to kind of uh, keep us going on on the cycle, so that'll that that you know if I if I was a free agent, I would look at that too. Jake, I want to discuss the uh, the games that they had in Kansas City this week as we get ready for opening day for the Astros tomorrow night, Friday night against uh, Seattle. Um, I don't know what your major observations were. My my biggest takeaway from the two exhibition games against the Royals, and this is really in combination of the last three weeks, Lance McCullers looks good and ready to go. Uh, five innings, one run on Monday. He got 14 swings and misses, and I just think it's critical 
given the questions on the back end of the rotation, both four and five, we don't know what the deal is, when Rikidi is going to be here. Josh James was shaky as far as his ball strike ratio on Wednesday. Framber Valdez, I never know what to expect from him every time he's on the mound. It is. It would be very beneficial for the Astros if it wasn't just that they can count on Verlander and Granke, but also throw in Lance McCullers. If he if he pitches the way he did in the first half of 2018, that's a major bonus for this team. Yeah, and just to point something out real quick, uh, there was no umpires yesterday at Minute Maid Park, so I don't know if we can read too much into Josh James's ball strike ratio. Fair um, point. <laughs> I did the same thing at first before I asked someone about it. Um yeah, I think McCullers, I agree. He looked great. Um, you know, granted, it is an exhibition game. It is against a really bad team in the Royals. But, you know, his stuff, you know, the fastball velocity was there. The fastball movement was there. The changeup looked really good. It did, yeah. Better than the curveball, I thought, um, which still the curveball looked looked good um, also. So, yeah, I think um, I think he's positioned really strongly to, to have a uh, like a really good 2020 season in this you know 12 start sprint that these starters are going to have um i that was my biggest takeaway as well i thought there was some other takeaways that i had um just watching the games more so i'm not i'm i feel like i'm better at watching the pitchers than i am the hitters and like actually taking away something but um so most of my observations will be pitchers but i thought uh brian abreu looked pretty shaky um you know, especially in his first inning on Tuesday, wasn't thrown strikes. And that's kind of been his bugaboo before, um, you know, and he's a guy that we've we've kind of highlighted as an X factor. So yes. that, that's a potentially big deal if he's not at his best. Um, and then I thought Anoli Paredes, who's probably going to make the roster, looked looked really good. He did look really good. Um, he struck out the side, what, on 11 pitches? And this was uh, Tuesday. Listen, we've discussed it. I mean, the the bullpen for the Astros as they start the season, especially with the questions around the availability of their closer, Roberto Osuna, is going to be, I think, fascinating. They're going to be relying on at least a couple of guys who have never thrown a major league pitch. What was the feeling on Paredes coming into this season? Like, was he at all on the radar if we were talking, let's say, in March, Jake? Um, I mean, he was added to the 40-man roster last November to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. So as we've seen in recent years with the Astros, anyone on the 40-man like has a legit chance to debut. Um, but yep. I think he probably – he didn't pitch a ton uh, in double-A last year. He was – I think most of his innings were in high A. He, he finished the season on the IL in, in the minors. Um, and so I think he was going to probably start in triple-A – maybe even double a but probably triple a with a chance to make it up in like september at the end of the year um probably as a reliever although they have developed him as a starter so he's probably one of the guys whose chances increase the most by the expanded roster and by all the absences slash injuries the astros have had in their pitching staff um you know, the stuff's never really been a question. He's got a, a explosive four-seam fastball, two power yep. breaking balls, but he's small. And the question is, is he going to hold up durability-wise? He has had some injuries in the minors um, long-term. It's a it's a high-effort delivery. Um, so that's why I think most think he's going to be a reliever long-term anyway. And uh, 
I don't know. Maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle with him as as a contributor right away with his, you know, it's it's upper 90s fastball power stuff across the board. And uh, I think he's got that 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 hop, that ride on the fastball that makes it hard for hitters to, to square up. Yeah, I, when, I, when I was looking at the highlights and just watching the uh, the broadcast that they had, I mean, he definitely is one of those smaller guys who kind of explodes um, with his delivery. I agree with you. It looks high effort. I mean, listen, it, it's really on spec. Like, honestly, if you had asked me about Anoli Paredes, if you had walked into my apartment a week ago or so, I, I don't know if I'd even know who the guy was. I hope you wouldn't but, let me into your apartment right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe he was wearing a mask, I guess. But the, the, I think the bottom line is they need as many as many weapons and options in the bullpen as humanly possible. That's my takeaway. So uh, if I was James Click, my thought would be anybody who at least gives me a good option to put on the major league roster and for Dusty Baker to use, then... I think that's a good sign. I know Dustin Garneau said that it was, I think, one of the best innings he'd ever caught. Uh, I would have to go back and look at, you know, who Garneau has caught and, he was and all he that was kind of the stuff. Angels, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have to go back and look. Uh, it seems like high praise, but maybe Garneau is sort of like, uh, he talks about guys like Brent Strom talks about guys. I think the more options out of the bullpen, the better for the Astros. Yeah, and it's he's kind of in the vein of like last year's Brian Abreu, right? The guy you don't necessarily expect to contribute, but kind of comes yes. ahead of schedule. Um, and he's also he's like a really um, interesting guy, Paredes. Like he's he signed really late because he was uh, not a pitcher until late. I think he signed when he was nineteen. Um, he idolizes Jordano Ventura, who he's kind of drawn comparisons to. Yeah, uh, pitching style wise. Um, He's he's bilingual. He's got a really he's always smiling. Like he's like, seems like a really fun personality. Um, so like I I think it'll be really interesting to see um, what role he takes this year because like he might pitch important innings from day one. Yes. Is there anything else, Jake, for you that stood out against Kansas City? Obviously, the Astros put up a, a ton of runs. Offense was not an issue, but you know I mean I I don't anticipate offense being an issue hopefully for the Astros this season. And especially as you go deeper into some of those games, it may not be guys who are contributing to the team this season, of course. Before we get back to our conversation, let me take a few seconds to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college baseball dugout, hence the name. It is the barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug. They are licensed by MLB, so you can get your favorite team logo laser engraved onto the mug. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was mostly like the Round Rock Express versus whoever <laughs> yeah. whoever the Royals AAA and AA affiliates are. Um, yeah, I mean, not really takeaways from the game per se, but more from Dusty Baker's media Zoom calls the last couple of days. Okay. Um, reading between the lines, it sounds like he's going to begin the season with a Tucker Diaz platoon at DH. Which you and I expected. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I don't know. Like, Diaz is actually better against righties than he is lefties. Um, and Tucker's, like, for a left-handed hitter is actually kind of fine against lefties. So I'm not really sure on that one. Um 
And then the other part was Framber Valdez, as expected, is slotted in to be the fifth starter. He's throwing on Thursday some sort of live BP simulated game, which would line him up for uh, Tuesday against the Dodgers. And that, to me, is the interesting part uh, because, you know, you can't really hide the fifth starter given the lack of off days, and it lines up perfectly. So we're going to – so people will see – they'll see him nationally. It's a Fox Sports 1 game on Tuesday, 8-10 against the uh, Dodgers, and – you could tell me that anything's going to happen. You could tell me that Valdez is going to pitch six innings and give up a run. I wouldn't be surprised. You could tell me he's going to pitch two innings and give up seven runs, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think either is a complete possibility. I never know what to expect with uh, with Framber Valdez. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> uh, he's got the stuff, though, and maybe there's the unfamiliarity factor. The Dodgers hitters have never seen him. Yes. Uh, maybe Mookie Betts has seen him, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, I... I you never know with him. He's the complete wild card, which I guess is kind of most fifth starters in baseball, right? Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that's something that I always need to keep in mind. The The fourth and especially the fifth spot is a big question for the Astros. But compared to, I mean, it's probably the equivalent or even a little better than the questions other teams are facing in these exact spots. Yeah, I think it's all it's all. You know, we have to keep in context the 2018 Astros rotation where they have five all-stars is not normal. Yeah, uh, this it's is not common. This is more than normal. Um, have you considered, you know, now that we're, this is our last episode before the season starts, we kind of have to go on record with some predictions. Um, yes, we do. And ha- we have to do that. Ha- that, that, is the, that is the honor of this podcast. Whether, whether you do a radio show, a podcast, before a season starts, you have to make predictions. And I didn't, I didn't prepare you for this, but we should also... We're going to pick division uh, order of finish, but we should also pick a win total for the Astros, like an exact okay. record. Um, I can do that. And we also have to note that, like, we don't exactly know what the playoff size is going to be for some mystifying reason. Uh, yes. On the morning of opening know. day. So <laughs> we're going to pick this as if it's a 10-team playoff, I think. I agree. Um, I think that's the best fairest way to do it but it is kind of ridiculous that we don't know for sure that it's not a 16 team playoff yeah it's a weird one uh, i saw that last night evan drellick has a column you guys can check out on the athletic about the, the latest on this uh, by the time you're listening they may have already made a decision although reading evan's article it almost made it seem you would think that hey you will know before opening day or as you go in how many playoff teams are going to be doesn't seem like that's 100% the case. I wouldn't mind if they expanded 16 because it's such a small sample size of games, but it is kind of weird that we're opening a season. You know, we're recording this Thursday, so later tonight, without knowing how many teams. But yeah, I think for the purposes of our picks, let's assume 10 with two wild cards in each league. Okay. I think for the AL West, um, which is which is what we're picking, um, I still... F- I picked this on Monday in our AL West roundtable on the site, and I'm going to stick with it. I still think the Astros are going to win the AL West. Uh, I did flip-flop a couple times in my head uh, with the A's, but ultimately I think the Astros lineup is is just so deep and um, the top of the rotation so good that that will allow them to um, stave off the A's, who are who are very good. Um, I have the Rangers third above the Angels because of their pitching. And I think the Angels pitching is still a huge, huge question mark. So I have the Angels fourth and I have the Mariners uh, fifth. I am going to pick the A's to win the AL West. I'm going to pick the A's. I, I went back and forth on this. 
you know, I'm kind of weird with gut feelings on the Astros because like a lot of times I'll have a gut feeling on something and then I won't have the guts to actually say it. Then it'll happen. And in my mind, I'm like, what the, what the hell am I doing? Not just like, what's, what's the big deal? Uh, But this is, this is weird. So a year and a half ago, I had this weird gut feeling that the Indians would beat them in the first round. And so I said it and then they swept them. I did that too. I had that pick too. yeah, I got I got crushed, just annihilated. Like then they swept them, and that whole Monday or Tuesday afternoon, whenever it was, I'm just I'm just looking at my Twitter feed. I'm just getting annihilated by people. Um, listen, I, in all seriousness, I think it's fifty fifty. Um, I'm gonna pick the A's to win, and I'm gonna give you a couple of quick, quick reasons. One is more of a kind of a spiritual one. I do wonder, and I heard Jim Bowden talk about this uh, when I was listening on satellite radio a few days ago. I wonder if the baseball gods will be against the Astros this season. Um, like, I wonder from a karma standpoint if mm-hmm. that has any sort of uh, impact. I'm kind of weird that way. I don't know. If, I don't know if you're spiritual, uh, spiritual at all, Jake. But the other part is. The A's are a very good baseball team. It's not like this team has won, you know, like 93 games the last couple of years and they're, you know, above average. This team has won 97 games each of the last two seasons. This team has serious hitters in the middle of their lineup with Chapman and Olsen and obviously Simeon, who had a very good season last year. The A's also, I think, I'm big on regression to the mean. Uh, when there's an outlier one season, it kind of it kind of bounces back towards the middle. The A's had 30 blown saves in 2019. I think their bullpen will be better this season. Um, I think they, like a lot of teams, are going to have questions, but I think their bullpen was so sketchy in 2019 that it's bound to be better mathematically, and I think enough of their starting rotation with Montas and Manaya, and I guess Mike Fires, we'll see what happens with uh, with this prospect, Lazardo and what he's able to do, but I think between the lineup, the bullpen, I think, has to be better. I will pick, in a shortened season, the A's to edge out the Astros by a game or two in the AL West. I think it's a it's a fine pick. Um, like I said, I was I was flip flopping in my head a lot when I was picking mine. Um, you know, AJ Puck, who was another one of their prospects, big lefty, yep. is is hurt. Um, so that's they're down one starter already. Um, my bigger hang up though with the A's was just like you look at their lineup and it's good and they have the the star power in the middle, but the depth is not what the Astros is not nearly what the Astros is. And that was kind of my ultimate decision point. I thought was like, once you get through the Chapman Olsen Semyon um, group, um, is there enough there? That's fair. You know, to, and like, like the Astros are seven deep when Alvarez comes back, assuming, yep. assuming health. And um, it's probably the last year they're going to be seven deep, but that's pretty rare. That is true. The Astros are much better in the corner outfield spots than the A's are. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a totally fair point. Um, I just I worry I worry about that karma thing. I I know that that's probably completely illogical, and I'm sure I'm already going to get tweets a- after this episode is posted. Tweet, people Mike crushing Meltzer. me. Yeah, that, that's totally fine. I, I appreciate the, uh, the the back and forth. Another part, another thing that was pointed out. And this is something that you guys had in your AL West roundup that posted on The Athletic, I think, Tuesday or so. Um, The A's have been slow starters the last two seasons. I have no concept of how that affects this season. You and I, (laughs) I know you've especially gone back on like looking at 60 game samples and how to figure it out. But suffice it to say, if the A's got got off to a sketchy start this season, they probably will not be winning the division. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's impossible and, to predict like what this, how that translate, how the slow starts of the last few years translates to this 
this season. But yeah, I mean, the, the first, we're going to know a lot in two weeks, right? Like we're going to be sitting here on August 5th or whatever. Hopefully that's a mo- yeah. Monday or a Thursday. I have no idea. But we're going to be sitting here on the podcast talking in two weeks about like teams already being out of it, right? Like um, or teams, surprise teams being in it. Um, maybe the Mariners go 13 and two again. I don't know. So um, <laughs> yeah. both of our picks and our and our rankings could look um, bad in a couple of weeks. But you, what's what's the rest of your your AL West order. The rest of my AL West order, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be boring and agree with you. I, I just I like I like what I'm hearing about the Rangers with their manager Chris Woodward. Uh, I like the top of the rotation as you mentioned, and I I don't trust the Angels. I think it's an oddly built baseball team. It mm-hmm. seems kind of lopsided to me. Rendon's coming to the season a little banged up. I mean they'll win their fair share of games, but. I just don't trust the pitching, and I do trust the the pitching of, of the Rangers. And so I'm going to go with Texas 3, Angels 4, and I'm obviously putting Seattle 5. I, I think that one, I think there's probably going to be a, a conventional wisdom there. Can you name any starters in the Angels that aren't Shohei Otani? I cannot, know. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Absolutely not. And that's the that's the thing, and it's been the thing, you know, without Otani last year, obviously, but... Um, and and by the way, like I, I like Joe Madden, and I don't know what you think of Joe Madden, but I have a very hard time figuring out like how much a baseball manager actually matters in this kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think the manager's most important job is the culture building, and yes, uh, how quickly can you do that when you just got somewhere and it's a sixty game season where you haven't been around the players much. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they're relying on like Dylan Bundy and Griffin Canning, and and is Tehran hurt this season? Is he is he hurt right now? I don't know what his status is. He's I think he's another mysterious camp absence <laughs> guy. Um, yeah, they're just they just don't have the pitching for me, um, even if everyone's there. And yes, the Rangers do. And I think the question with the Rangers is the hitting, but um, in a small season, short season, you can get hot for two weeks and that can make the difference. Yes, I do want to do this. Uh, speaking of predictions, I I want to I, I want to do a couple of uh, hypotheticals if that if that may, if that works for you, Jake. I had a couple of hypotheticals that I thought of and I've been thinking about these for a couple of weeks. And this isn't along the lines of a prediction. It's more like if this happens, what is the reaction going to be? Does that work for you? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What is the reaction going to be if the 2020 Houston Astros win the World Series? Um, well, they're clearly the villains of MLB, so I think team uh, rival fan bases would um, write it off as an asterisk, asterisk right? Um, I think people in Houston would be pretty excited. But, yeah, I think it would be the – the negative reaction around the league as as you would expect based on um the fallout of the sign stealing scandal and just the negativity that's really surrounded them since november do you think it would validate the talent and how good the team is if that makes sense like would people look at it like i look at the patriots uh, i hate the patriots but 
I, I've always kind of thought like, yeah, the Patriots do some, do some sketchy things, but like, dear God, please beat them on the field. Like, I, I don't want to hear about it. And I'm sure Belichick has violated the rules, obviously, a number of times. But ultimately, I just think that he's better than every other coach and their team has been better than almost every other team the last 20 years or so. Uh, so after a while, the Patriots kept winning to where even some of the things they were doing against the Jets or other teams or allegedly taping walkthroughs before Super Bowls, for me, and maybe this is wrong, I, you tell me, Jake, but I just kind of got to the point of like, you know what, I don't really care. Like, they're so good and they keep winning that it's more about the winning than it is the things that they've done wrong. I just was dreaming about Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl for a few minutes there. Sorry. Fair dream. Um, Fair dream. Uh, I think like the validating part, it depends on what how open-minded you are, right? Like, people believe what they want to believe and there's no... Especially now. Right, and there, there's no <laughs> evidence that... The Astros cheated in 2019, and um, they hit really well in 2019. And but people don't. If you don't want to accept that, then you don't, right? And so I think it would be the same thing in terms of validation. Um, Even yeah, like I I don't know. It's hard to really uh, like expect based on the reaction so far. Expect that people would be rational about everything. Um, Yeah. I think that they'll get the side eye more than another team winning the World Series. Um, I think if 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 what people think is going to happen happens and the Dodgers meet the Yankees in the World Series, one of those teams wins, then my thought would be, and I'll get back to the Astros part in a second here, but my, my prediction on what would happen would be, especially for the Dodgers, it would kind of be a reaction in LA of like, well, thank goodness. We got screwed in 2017. We've come short all these times. Finally, we got our championship. And there might be that little thing of like, well, is it really quite the same thing as winning over 162? And and it's not, but they still would have won what's in front of them. And they it's everybody has the same exact situation. Uh, with the Yankees, I think it would be, hey, this team has done an excellent job of building its team and its roster the last couple of years. I think Brian Cashman has done a superb job of transitioning from the team with too many veterans and age a couple of years ago to the team that they have now. And I think it might be a sign of things to come. Um, I don't know if it would be quite viewed as a World Series win like 1996 was because of the same reason for the Dodgers. But I think it would be like, hey, validation, a championship, and a sign of things to come. I think the Astros would get way more skepticism if they won the World Series this year, given the shortened season. Yeah. And you know what? The odds are that none of those three teams are going to win. So that's what's great about baseball. Um, What's your next hypothetical? What if the Astros miss the playoffs this year? Hmm. It's a good question. I think... um, I don't know. I'm like... I have a hard time getting a read on the manager situation um, yes. because Dusty Baker didn't really get a full. I mean, he didn't get a full season this year, no matter what. And like, it seems like the right thing to do either way would be to bring him back for, for a full season. Hopefully there's a full season in 2021. Um, but I don't know that I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Um, so that would be the first thought is like, what happens with the manager? And I don't know. Um, if they miss the playoffs, um, I think it would be a, uh, big underachievement for them. I mean, the A's are good. We've talked, we just talked about that, but especially, you know, given this is like their last best chance, it would be a pretty 
big failure, I think, if they if they didn't at least get the wild card. Yeah, I agree. And I do want to add on to this because I picked the A's to win the AL West 10 minutes ago. I, I do predict that the Astros will make the playoffs. I, I think they'd be uh, one of the wild card teams in the American League. So I do want to make that part clear. I predict this team will make the postseason. I have a couple of initial thoughts. One, it would be just a continuation of a horrible 2020 for the organization between sign stealing, missing the postseason. Uh, people in baseball around around the country would love it for obvious reasons. Um it would be, I mean, could it for could it cause people to start making claims like, ah, they were only good because of the cheating? Uh, I think it would probably, like you mentioned, only validate the people who feel that way. Like, listen, the Astros were a very good team the last couple of years, cheating or not, specifically in 2017, in my humble opinion. As far as this season, I do think for them to miss the playoffs, it would require some things to happen that I think are unlikely. I think it would require require you know a bunch of injuries. Um, it would require probably injuries in the rotation, like to a McCullers or especially Verlander or Granke. I think it would require one of those kind of things. Like even even if the bullpen is let's say average or a little below, I think there's enough with the lineup and the top of the rotation to where they can win enough games over the 60 to at least make the postseason. I think if they miss, I think certain things will happen that were things that we're not thinking about right now, like Alex Bregman missing 30 or 40 games or Altuve or something along those lines. Yeah, it's it's tough to, to predict. I, I think, I'm, I guess my head's more at like what would happen if they missed. And I think it yeah, would no, it I, would give James Click maybe like more leeway to tinker and not rebuild, obviously, but like, I don't know, maybe make some surprising moves and try to um, set the team up better for post 2021. You know, uh, I think that would be easier to, to justify coming off a year you missed the playoffs. That makes sense. I, I think both, and and you hit it. Like the first thought is, if they miss the playoffs, is what ha- what happens to Dusty? I, I think that's what that's the first place a lot of people are going to go to. And I mean, who knows? Again, we'd have to see it. it. We have to see what happens if it's you know Altuve and, and Bregman both getting hurt and they miss significant stretches. Well, it's not really his fault. The Astros are in a weird spot organizationally where they have a manager and a GM, and the manager was was hired first not the GM, something that I know you've pointed out. And it just creates a weird dynamic of like, how exactly are you evaluating these people? I mean, whether whether the Astros miss the playoffs this season or win the World Series, I don't know how much James Click would have to do with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though if they won the World Series, he'd obviously be getting a ring, not to knock him, but it wouldn't really be of his doing, essentially. Um, so it, it's just a weird dynamic, given everything that's gone on here. It is. It is. Um, yeah, and I still don't really understand the whole manager before the gm thing but hey that is what that is one of my favorite takes of yours by the way that you would have hired the gm before the manager i like that take thank you um i've got one more hypothetical real quick if dusty baker like kind of like a genie one wish situation if he could choose one player where he's where he's basically given a, a choice of like hey this this one guy is definitely going to have a good above average season for him who would dusty baker choose Josh James. I think that fourth starter locking down that fourth spot would answer a ton of questions about their pitching staff. It would allow James Click to focus on relief in the before the trade deadline. Um, I think it would be Josh James. 
I was going to go with Josh James too, but I'm actually going to go since you, I'm not going to be boring and make the same prediction that you did because you picked James. I'm going to go with Kyle Tucker because of what it would mean for this season and what it would mean for down the road. Tucker has been a top prospect, but he like, I don't know if he's back that up to say the least the last two no. seasons when we've seen him in the majors, especially in 2018. If Kyle Tucker has a good season and let's say supplants Josh Reddick, all of a sudden the future looks a lot better. It helps out this season. And I just think it makes the organizational window and trajectory look much better down the road because that's somebody that would be cost controlled for the next couple of seasons. I'll say Kyle Tucker because you go with Josh James. Yeah, but what does Dusty Baker care about three years from now? <laughs> you said this season. No, that's season. true. Yeah, no, that's a good. That that is a good point. That is a good point. I mean, I thought about going with the reliever, but I can't really like Davinsky or something. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, they need two or three relievers to pan out. You know, one would help right. because assuming Osuna gets back to you know, I guess being in shape and pitching well, they've got Ryan Presley, who I think is excellent when healthy. So you would have three, whereas right now they have like one and a half or one and a quarter. But if I had to pick one, I'll, because you went with James again, that, that's where I would have gone. I'm going to go with Kyle Tucker. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, uh, I'll i go with Kyle Tucker. I think it's a fine pick. I'm just, you know, messing with you. Makes sense. Well, the next time we talk for the first time in the history of the Crawford Talks podcast, we will have actual... Astros games that count in the standings. So Monday, we will give our biggest takeaways from the first three games of the Seattle uh, series, which, is, as a reminder, is a four-game set. So the final game is on uh, Monday. And also, we're going to talk to the uh, Dodgers writer for The Athletic. Remind me, Jake, who covers the Dodgers for The Athletic? Pedro Mora is our intrepid Dodgers reporter, and we're hopeful, hopeful to get him on... Um, Monday show, which to preview what should be a fascinating two game series at Minute Maid Park next week. Agreed. And Jake, real quick, what do you have up on the athletic that people should check out? Um, I wrote today, uh, Thursday, about like how weird the broadcasts are going to be this year, which is a topic that interests me and I hope interests other people. Um, I think it's especially because we're all going to be watching the broadcast this year. There's not really much of an alternative. You can't go to the games. Um, Good point. It's going to be a weird viewing experience. And I, I talked to Todd Callis, Jeff Blum, Julia Morales, Robert Ford, just about what it's going to be like and, you know, what the challenges are. So I thought that was interesting, uh, an interesting read. I also, I don't know if it's up yet, but it should be up soon. Uh, I did a, a short bets Springer analysis piece um, and live Q&A Friday afternoon at noon central. Come ask me questions and I will do my best to answer them. Opening day uh, on Thursday between the Nationals and the Yankees and the Astros open up opening day 8-10 Central Time on Friday with Justin Verlander on the mound. We will uh, talk with you guys on Monday and we greatly look forward to that. Make sure you guys have a terrific uh, weekend. Thank you for listening to the latest edition of the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. <laughs>